Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Upside Swings Draft Podcast, the podcast of the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks, uh, joined as always by the great Ryan Davis, Sports by Davis. Uh, no Stone today. This is the, per- the first Upside Swing Podcast without our beloved Stone Hansen. Uh, he, he, he is out with, uh, with an illness. Uh, he, he's he's on the injury report. Uh, hopefully, it's just one day. We shall see. Um, but to fill his shoes and to come talk about the Orlando Magic, there's no one better than the great Hayden Gray. Hayden, how are you doing? Hey, listen, uh, thanks for having me on, guys. I was telling you all how crazy you guys are for covering every single team before the draft, but it looks like you guys are making it to the end. So congrats, you guys. And I can assure you there is someone better out there to talk about the Orlando Magic, but I I think I think hopefully I'll do just fine today. I there are magic people, uh, but we thought we had to get hated on and uh we we had already taken his rockets from him. So <laughs> what what better compensation than to talk about uh where some people think the draft really begins. Yeah, uh, we've yeah. heard all about the chalk top four. Uh, and for a little bit, it seemed like five was going to be chalk as well. But uh, the reporting is rampant that it is no longer uh, set in stone who will go with that number five overall pick the Orlando Magic have. They also have the eighth pick from the Bulls uh, that they got the Nikola Vucevic trade. Um, and they also have the 33rd pick, uh, which we might not even have time for, which sounds nuts. But I, I think there's going to be a lot of discussion about this five and eight pick. And also, I did want to talk a little bit about the Magic's uh, interesting young core um so Hayden that's what I want to ask you first is is how do you feel about the magic sort of weird collection of young talent they have on this team because it's it's far from a cohesive roster but there are a lot of interesting names here that I really like so so what are your sort of perspective on them yeah I think the magic I I think you put it well that they're in an interesting position simply because in the NBA as a small market, you don't have the luxury, I think, of always being able to go about the team con- roster construction process in a traditional way. And that's definitely how the Magic have kind of handled things. We could get into the weeds about if they should have kind of blown things up earlier than they did. But, you know, eventually, um, if you're living in Orlando, you're not going to get the big name free agents. And, you know, lottery luck only goes so far. So they haven't really had that opportunity to get that very top of the draft talent so honestly I think in many ways they're going about this rebuild in the right way it's it's about throwing as much stuff at the fan as possible until something sticks and really you know Jonathan Isaac at some point he's going to be coming back Cole Anthony was showing some promise before he uh, unfortunately got injured and then RJ Hampton is a guy who if you're the Orlando Magic, I really think taking a flyer on him because he's in a situation in Denver where he's not really being utilized, he's going to be able to get those reps uh, in a place like Orlando. And now they have a chance to take two big swings in this top 10. And I think that's exactly what they need to be doing because, you know, you need that one cornerstone. And if you start thinking about fit and where you are right now, um, you're not going to get anywhere with that. So I, I think that the Magic are – as weird as it sounds, I think they are going in the right direction of just accumulating as much young talent as possible. Yeah, I think we're on the same page. It's just, uh, I mean, we could run through their whole roster and uh, a part of me really wants to. You mentioned Cole Anthony, <laughs> RJ Hampton. Uh, Stone is not here to give the the whole Cole Anthony pitch. Uh, he loved Cole Anthony. So does Davis. So we'll hear from Davis. I loved RJ Hampton. I had Hampton third, I think, or fourth. I think fourth. Uh, last year, I had Lamelo Ball, Alexei Pokusevsky, Devin Vassell, and RJ Hampton. Um, those were my top four. That's a spicy top of your big board. <laughs> well, last year was so weird, and I wasn't on yeah. draft Twitter, so I, yeah, I my, my form of evaluation has grown a lot just because I'm actually in the space where I get to talk about it. Um, sure. But but last year, I just he is. I mean, he is a really like interesting athlete. I think he gets a little underrated. He's not like the vertical athlete of like a Jalen green, but he is, he is one of the fastest players in the NBA and has really good burst. And in high school, like, like he looked interesting. He he was sort of in a weird situation when he was playing in the NBL, but in high school, like he got comparisons to John wall as a point guard. And I thought like those weren't absurd. 
he he was a solid passer with developing feel as a passer in transition uh the jumper is is i hate to use the term swing skill but that's sort of what a lot of his what he can become will rest on uh, but i still like rj hampton wendell carter jr is here uh chumo kiki uh jonathan isaac sadly hurt but uh you know a, an excellent player already an excellent player uh markel fultz as well um but hopefully he comes back uh one of the smoothest ball handlers in the nba uh davis is there anyone on this young core that, that really stands out to you that you want to uh, plant your flag that they're going to be a really good NBA player right now. Uh, yeah. So I, last year was kind of, kind of my first year really getting into like the draft, but um, I, I really liked Coy Anthony. I had him like top five or top six. So I, I, I liked him a lot. Um, I still do. Um, he did show, show quite a bit of flashes and he had some injuries and magic just had, just had some problems like all around. Um, with the with the team injury wise coaching wise um, but I, I still like Cole Anthony a lot and I, I do think he's going to be a, a good NBA player for for a, a, a long and have a long career in in the uh, NBA I'm not sure if he'll he'll be that you know superstar that'll that'll take you to the next level or or you know be able to to help you or be able to carry you to the playoffs uh, year in and year out, but um, I like him a lot as as at least a piece. Um, if you can pair him with someone, I do think he can get to that point. Um, but but I, I like him the most out of out of any anybody on the on the Magic team right now. But like like you said, Okeke, um, there's there's a few guys. Hampton I like a lot too. I was a little lower on him. I think he was like 18 or 19, but um, still still. Had a had a solid first round grade on Hampton, um, so I like I like the the core they have. Um, I don't know if they have the guy on there yet, but um, I, I think this draft they might be able to get pretty close to it. Yeah, uh, Hayden, and we'll move on to the draft here in a second. But I want to ask you, like, who is the young guy on this team that you want to like plant your flag on, on their island or or whatever it may be? Yeah. Like, who do you really love here? Yeah, I mean, I. I... I really, I know we've already mentioned him, but Cole Anthony is a guy who I think, uh, I really like the way that he responded after having that disappointing season in uh, North Carolina. He was at the top of so many people's big boards coming out of high school and then just kind of had the season from hell in his one freshman year uh, at UNC. And then to come onto the scene in the NBA, immediately make an impact. He was uh, automatically, he was averaging, let's see, I just had his stats up. Let me pull it up. He was already averaging in his rookie year 13 points a game, almost five rebounds and four assists. Um, you know, he needs to work on continuing to become a better shooter. Um, and I think, you know, it's not certain whether he's going to be that guy you want to be your true engine of your offense. But I could certainly see him being a contributing piece to a really good team, especially a guy who could potentially run a lot of bench units and be kind of that spark plug to really run those uh, bench units as well. So Cole Anthony is a guy who I'm really interested to see how he continues to develop. Yeah, I like that pick. I, I think he could potentially develop too into a really good uh, point guard, like next to a jumbo initiator, um, which the match might have a chance to draft here. Uh, what I like about Cole Anthony or what I find interesting is I think he's going to be a really interesting case study in like the importance of, of pre-high school evaluation um, because like you said, he had the season from hell and there's two guys with that this year, uh, too, BJ Boston and, and Zaire Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of kind them of I'm very high on too. Oh, yeah, Christopher a little bit, but I feel like, I feel like his value is about where it was preseason. Like he's still like 20 to 40. I think that's where he was on most like consensus big boards. Um, but yeah, I mean, BJ has just completely dropped off boards, but Zaire mm-hmm. is still sort of in that lottery range. And I'm just interested to see like, like what it is about the seasons, like how much you could take away from what they did at college, because people forget that for these one and done guys, their college sample size is small. It is a like, like a hot shooting. If you're like a streaky shooter and you're really hot, uh, Aaron Neesmith, for example, like, like you're, you know, a couple months of the college season can look really, really good. Even Malik Monk, I think had that, like, I think Malik Monk, has always been a little overrated as a shooter because he looks like it, the shot looks so good. And he, and he was on fire when he was at Kentucky, he looked like the 
one of like he could be one of the best shooters of the past 20 years and it just that is it really his game it just sort of looked like that was his game because he had a hot couple months um but anyways that's that's a pod for another day uh we are here to talk orlando magic and we are here to talk the fifth pick um so i think all of us are in agreement that the top four are gonna go pretty chalk even if there is a trade somewhere it's gonna be Cade cunningham evan mobley or jalen green and then jalen sub do we do we all sort of like like a 90 percent like like head nod there like you don't have to like you know say that's yeah. absolutely gonna happen but i think we're we're pretty confident in that and that leaves the fifth pick and, and for a long time people really thought this was jonathan Kaminga, and they thought he, he had it wrapped up uh but there have been uh some slides wasserman i think put out a board or, or a mock draft where he fell to eight and, and i've seen some other mock drafts where he's not here at five so hayden you, you can talk about jonathan Kaminga too but but who are the names here at five uh, that interest you and, and and how do you view like the magic's potential to take them, I guess would be how to put it. Yeah. That, so. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I think when you look at it, it really comes down to the two names between Scotty Barnes and Jonathan Kaminga. You could, you could bring up guys like James book Knight, or, you know, I'm going to talk about Josh Giddy with the eighth pick, but at the end of the day, I think when you're in the top five, you've really got to swing for the fences. And I think that guys like James Booknight might be a little bit of a reach there. So it really comes down to between Scotty Barnes. And then at that point, it's kind of like a philosophy thing and, and where the Orlando Magic think that they are in this this stage of their rebuild. So if you want to go with a guy like Scotty Barnes, obviously projects to be an elite defender, going to be switchable, versatile, um, has a some really interesting playmaking skills that he could develop could be kind of like uh, a secondary ball handler and playmaker for you, but has those questions at the jump shot. And if you kind of look at, you know, I'm kind of contradicting myself because I always say draft for, you know, the best player available this high in the draft as opposed to a positional need, but, you know, Jonathan Isaac kind of fills a lot of those uh, kind of archetypes that Scotty Barnes does. Um, Although at the same time, I do think that Scotty, presents an interesting kind of uh, glue option for all the other younger guys as a guy who can make plays off of short rolls, kind of erase some defensive mistakes that some of your backcourt is going to make. Um, but then if you look at Jonathan Kuminga, I almost feel as though um, we may be being a little too low on him um, after what happened in the G League. I, I hear all this praise for Jalen green and the way that he handled playing against pros as if that's some kind of positive. And then you look at Jonathan Kaminga and we kind of just completely dismiss him because he struggled rightfully slow. So playing against real pros. And so there, you can't have it both ways. You have to uh, look at the uh, time in the G league playing against actual professionals as an actual positive thing. Even if it's just Jonathan Kaminga getting his lumps, making mistakes, That's experience that he has over college guys, um, no matter who they are. So I don't know. At this point, I think, man, I don't know. I think my my brain says Scotty is a more um, a safer prospect at this point in time. But I think the potential of Jonathan Kaminga, the ball skills that he showed, some of the playmaking, and if he can get that jump shot and his defensive awareness in check, he really has all the traits that you need for him to be a really, really great building piece. So I'm pretty 50, 50 on this right now. Yeah. So you bring up a, a couple of really excellent points and, and, and we're going to end up talking some draft philosophy. We're just going to um, first, I want to hit on what you talked about uh, with Scotty Barnes as, as sort of like, like the archetype he fills versus having Jonathan Isaac on the roster. And you mentioned like you're all for taking best player available this high in the draft and I'm with you, but I th- I also think it's important to note that like, best player available sometimes is a sliding scale um and and it should be like best player available that you have like a role for that you can develop their strengths you know or or develop their weaknesses to be less weak and their strengths to be extreme strengths uh and and i really worry about scotty if he was in this context um more so than kaminga and, and we'll dive in we'll dive into that a little later but um the Magic are not a good shooting team, and they're not going to be a good shooting team. Uh, Chuma is okay, but he's not a volume guy at, at the three or four, whatever position he's going to play. Uh, I don't know what Jonathan Isaac's health status is going to be to start the season, but that that is 
a completely untenable fit. And I think drafting Scotty would signal that you have to move on from Jonathan Isaac, which is possible. And if, if that's what the Magic want to do, that's fine. Um, but I also think it's important to note that, that Scotty becoming Jonathan Isaac is like a high-end outcome. It's not just like Scotty is immediately everything Jonathan Isaac is. And I think um, we sometimes think that way with the draft where it's like this person is, is certain to be this. Um, I was listening to the Steppy and it's really got me thinking. So, uh, so excuse me if I sound like Sean Darenthal, but he, he looks at prospects from the perspective of like the fail state is, is just mathematically the most likely. And I find that as a really interesting, uh, maybe a pessimistic or, or, you know, nihilistic viewpoint of the draft, but I, it's an interesting way to view it. And I think if you view Scotty through that lens, it's a really rough fit here. Um, and, and I'm higher on Kaminga than I think a lot of people have fallen off on. And and uh, I want to dive into the G League thing that you talked about. Um, so, so Davis, I'm going to throw it to you. Like, how do you feel Jonathan Kaminga played this year considering the competition level he was up against? Uh, playing against, you know, barely out of the NBA pros. Or, I mean, he played against some guys who are, who are currently in the, in the NBA. So how, how do you feel about Jonathan Kaminga uh, Davis with with that context in mind yeah I mean he of course he you know he he struggled a little bit um that that kind of is expected at least um you know from me uh that they're gonna struggle uh so Hayden I'll throw it to you then um how do you feel about Jonathan Kaminga the competition he played against and and the skill set he he could potentially bring uh to the NBA level yeah I think I actually think that uh, Jonathan Kaminga, one of his potentially best landing spots could be in Orlando. I really think that in the context of guys who really need to hone their skills, I like the idea of letting them get their bruises early and letting them have that opportunity to fail. Um because there's no other way that you're going to continue to get better. Unless if you're some overseas guy who stays over in overseas for a couple of years, you've got to get that in-game experience. And he, you know, I mean, listen, he, he played for, I don't even remember how long the G league bubble was maybe a month. He's adjusting to this new style play. Um, I mean, the jump from high school all the way up to playing against professionals, I think is a lot to handle. And that's something to be said for how impressive Jalen Green was. But at the same time, I think we need to have some understanding and empathy for the kind of situation that Jonathan Kamingo was in. And I don't necessarily think that this is going to be something that, you know, he's going to end up being just fine in the NBA right from the start. He's still going to need to continue to grow, to continue to develop his jump shot, become better on defense. But you see those playmaking flashes. You see the uh, the athleticism. Uh, I mean, his his frame, he's built for the NBA. And I think in the end, he could be kind of like that go-to guy um, where someone like Scotty Barnes could not be. Um, so I, overall, I almost like the fit for Jonathan Kaminga a little bit more here. I'm with you. Uh, and, and I think I think that's what we're going to round into it. And then we're going to let Davis give the opposite opinion because he's, he's higher on Scotty than me by a lot. Um, but I, I'm with you. Uh, I want to note that I think if Jonathan Kamingo went to college, he would be the no-brainer number five and would probably be put up there as closer to Jalen Suggs at four um, because he could have just dominated physically. Uh, say he would have went to, I think he was linked to Texas Tech. Um, and, and imagine like a lot of, well, hopefully a lot of Mac McClung's touches would have gone to Kaminga and, and even against 12 competition, which is, you know, very good. He's still just bigger and stronger than a lot of the people that would have been guarding him at the G league. He wasn't, he, he I mean, he still was, but it wasn't the same level. And I think that was good for his development. You could sort of see him kind of like half, like as he was going on, learn like, how he has to he can't just drop a shoulder straight into someone he has to try and drop it around someone and get an arm around it and try and finish that way or um, as, as he was going for a blow by he can't just drop through someone's chest he has to try and develop a counter spin or something like that and it's just something 
you kind of saw that like halfway through the season. And then I really think his tank started to run a little empty towards the end. I've heard people question the motor and, and I don't really buy that because I think when he had a lot of energy at the beginning of the season, the motor was pretty good. Uh, there's a reason his best game was his first game. Um, but like, I, I just think he, he not only jumped from high school to playing pros, he jumped from a junior in high school to playing mm-hmm. pros and playing pros in a way where he was playing every other day. Like for, mm-hmm. like you said, like two months, I think they played 17 games. I want to say in, in like a, in, you know, in like a month and a half span. And that's pretty hard on a, on a kid who, who hasn't, you know, I'm guessing like conditioning practicing was somewhat iffy with COVID stuff and, and jumping from being a junior in high school who played, he played at the Patrick school, which didn't play like the greatest competition. He played good competition in EYBL, of course, but it's just a little different. I think we underlook or we overlook how difficult that path was. And the fact that he was still a positive player at all um, still showed some signs as a potential slasher. Um, And and at his age, he's still very young. Um, There's no such thing as a sure thing, but if he can, if he can get in the right context where he gets some touches and he learns to play in different situations, I, I think I think he can he can really return some value uh, for a team that that invests in him. Um, I also think like he'll be less affected by the lack of spacing because I think he can generate more rim pressure than Scotty, and that sort of um, that sort of helps sometimes mitigate like the effects of bad spacing. Like Scotty, who who can't jump and and struggles to really get downhill, is going to be really affected by five guys in the paint versus at least Jonathan Kaminga can beat two of those guys to the paint. Um, but Davis, I I know you're a huge Scotty Barnes fan, so if you want to give sort of the opposite perspective here, um, let us hear it. What what is it about Scotty Barnes that that should make him the pick here at five? Uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I like Scotty a lot. Um, I'm, I'm, I am lower on Kaminga. Um, however, I don't really like mind the pick necessarily for, um, for the Magic. I like Scotty. I think he's, I think he's like a little bit of a safer pick. I do see his ceiling much higher too, but Kaminga's is obviously, um, one of the highest in the class, um, ceiling wise, maybe the highest outside of, of Cade and Mobley, um, but it, it's it his ceiling. It's just gonna take a lot to get there. Um, but I feel like the Magic would be a good team um, that to help him get there. They're in the process of rebuilding. Um, they have a few other young guys, um, but I feel like that would be a good fit. I just like Scotty a lot in transition. Uh, that big, that fast in transition, um, the vision, and and just the versatility on both ends of, of the floor um, is, is why I like Scotty a lot. I do buy the shot, get into at least a, a catch and shoot at the corner or at the wing um, level. I don't see like any, anything really wrong with his mechanics um, in his shot. I kind of just think he's, he's getting the feel of it and it's a little inconsistent. Maybe he hasn't like grown fully into, to his frame yet, but um, I, I, I like Scotty a lot. I think he's just a, a little bit of a safer pick. Um, but if the Magic did did pick Kaminga, uh, I, I wouldn't mind that at all. Um, but an, another name I, I was I like a lot and would throw would throw out the Magic would be Moses Moody. Um, it it probably a little high for most people at five, um, but I have Moody at like seven, so I wouldn't mind it at all. And and I think he fits the magic really, really well. They kind of need that, that wing or that shooter um, with Terrence Ross likely gone soon. He's, he's one of the older players on the team. Um, but I, I like Moody there. Um, I, I, I personally like Barnes a little more. However, I, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't uh, be mad at, at the magic for, for getting uh, Kaminga. Yeah. We're going to, I want to circle back to Moody, especially when we when we sort of dive into that eighth pick but Hayden uh if you were on the clock right now um and I told you it had to be you know if, if it's Scotty or Kaminga um who, who which name do you send up to the podium and why um man <clears throat> listen I, honestly if 
I'm in a vacuum. I'm taking Scotty Barnes. I like his upside defensively, and I like the versatility that he has. Um, I do have concerns about his shot making, but I do feel as though even if we come into a lower outcome with him, he's going to present value in a team context, uh, especially defensively in the playoffs with how many positions he can switch on to. Um, and if you just let, like uh, Davis said, like with transition, he can be an absolute monster there. And uh, there are some amazing hustle plays that he made recovering on defense as well. Uh, but if I'm the magic, I, I really think at some point you've really got st- to start to try to find the guy. And if you're looking at the two guys available at that point who have a chance of really being that, I think Jonathan Kaminga, if you get lucky and it becomes a high percentile outcome, I think he really could be that. His athleticism, um, his ball handling, and he showed flashes of playmaking in the G League. It's going to take some time to find it, but the Magic have nothing but time. They just started their rebuild, and it's going to take some time to figure it all out. Yeah, I, I I like that rationale a lot. Um, but you you sort of mentioned uh you know take take some bets on upside. I actually think there's a solid chance that the better place to do that is eight, just based purely mm-hmm. on value. Uh, Davis mm-hmm. mentioned Moses Moses Moody. You mentioned Josh Josh Giddy. I can't talk right now. Um, I'm gonna throw out a couple other names who, who I think might be in play there, and, and I just sort of want to get your guys's kind of takes on, on these players and, and, and what their potential upside can be, uh, especially with the magic. So, so Moses Moody, Josh Giddy, uh, Jaden Springer and Zaire Williams to me are the four main names who I think are, are real upside plays here that are in play uh, for the magic at eight. Um, there's been some talk. They might not keep this pick. Uh, we'll see about that on draft day, but for right now, I want to focus on, uh, let's start with Josh Giddy. Uh, Hayden, you mentioned him. How do you feel about Giddy, and, and how do you feel about him here with the Magic? Yeah, personally, I just think that Giddy. I think it's twofold with Giddy. I think one, he fits the mold of kind of that jumbo facilitator that you were talking about that the league is moving towards. We've seen time and time again. If you can get a guy who's six foot six foot eight like he is, and who can handle the ball, can make all the passes across the court that you might need of an NBA point guard to make um, and who can create his own shot. Um, that's just a huge advantage from a team building perspective. So I think Josh Giddy, while he's not any kind of Luka Doncic and he's not exactly by any means a finished project and needs to continue to improve his shot, needs to continue to improve on defense. Um, I think he presents such a unique skill set that, you know, for all the things I said about Jonathan Kuminga, if Josh Giddy turns out right, um, he solves a lot of problems for you from a team building perspective. And he, um, I mean, I mean, if, if he works out, I think he could be one of the best players in this draft. Yeah, I'm with you. Something you mentioned early on, uh, I can't remember if you use this exact phrase. It's uh, one of my favorite Danny LaRue truisms, and that's uh, the magic need a straw, a straw that stirs the drink. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, and I think Giddy is maybe the best player in this range even better than like Kaminga or or Scotty Barnes as like a bet to be that player um he just has like like on paper his skill set on offense almost sounds similar to Scotty but he's just a little better and and more polished at those things like like he's run probably 600 more pick and rolls in his lifetime than Scotty Barnes at this point Uh, he's just he's a very polished pick and roll player which is insane to say about a 19 year old who's also six nine like it's just he's he's already a polished playmaker out of the pick and roll he's learning how to score for himself um there's a lot of downside risk with giddy i think just because if that shot doesn't come around and it's far from a sure thing um and and he doesn't learn how to get more flexible uh he's never going to be able to score the basketball uh he just like like that is sort of the big worry with giddy is you have to have you have to have a development staff that can work with him, but it's not hard to see that upside, and it's also not hard to see some really impactful median outcomes for him as a second side creator if he can really hit some spot ups. Uh, I like Giddy a lot; he's sort of my favorite pick for the Magic. Um, yeah, real quick, uh, just one last thing on Giddy. I think uh, the Magic present a really unique opportunity for Josh Giddy, uh, just from a where they are as a team. 
I think Giddy, much like LaMelo Ball last year, is one of those guys who you need to kind of, for lack of a better term, give him the keys to the car. And if you are able to kind of give him that opportunity to be the main playmaking engine of this offense, I think, like you said, he really could be the straw that stirs the drink for them. And it allows him to make those mistakes. It allows him to get that real-time experience that once he's 21, 22 years old, he's going to see every coverage that he'll need to see in order to be an effective playmaker in the NBA. So, I, I you know, I've heard Giddy to the Warriors or anywhere else in kind of that 8 to 10 range. Um, I think the Magic are a really, really unique opportunity for him to be the main driver of their offense. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Um, and, and Wendell Carter Jr. would be a fascinating role man with him too because mm. Wendell Carter Jr., I think can be an okay lob threat. He hasn't ever been utilized in that role, um, but he's a good short roll passer could potentially uh, uh, hit sort of pick and pop threes. So that's, that's an excellent point on Giddy. It's that for in this eight to 10 range, I don't know if there is a better shot at that for him. It's, or uh, excuse me, like six to 10 range. Um, six is the thunder, maybe that, but, but he hasn't been linked to the thunder much. I think, Five and six is going to be some combination of Scotty Barnes and Jonathan Kaminga. Um, so then it's seven is the Warriors. Um, nine is uh, the Kings where he wouldn't have that. And then 10 is the Pelicans. Those would all be teams asking him to play off ball. Uh, here in Orlando, he would get a lot of on-ball touches. And I find that really interesting. Um, but uh davis i want to hear the moses moody spiel because i'm a huge fan i know you're a huge fan uh, and then i want to get hayden's take on him so uh let us hear about uh one arkansas 6-6 wing moses moody yeah um so moody another guy i'm i'm, I'm really high on um like 6-6 wing with the with the crazy wingspan um the just mainly defensively uh his long arms and, and frame um, give him so, so much versatility. He's a really good on-ball defender, um, good lateral quickness. Uh, not not the strongest, um, not the strongest guy yet, but I do feel like that'll that'll come around in, in the NBA with, with the right diet and the right team and stuff like that. Um, but obviously a really good shooter too and had and played in an off-ball role already in college, uh, which is I I think is going to be his main role um, in the NBA, uh, which Magic can, can really use another off-ball um, shooter, kind of like the, the Terrence Ross replacement, like I was saying. But I, I, I think I like Moody even a little more um, than, than Ross if he, if he does hit the, the higher outcome, of course, um, especially defensively. Uh, he's, I just, he's just really, really smart. He's not necessarily um, – the best ball handler. Um, but, but once again, I don't really think that's going to be his role um, to ever, to ever be a primary ball handler or, or initiator. Um, he, he does draw free throws at a, at a pretty good, pretty good rate too. Um, does, does need to get better at, at finishing um, through contact. But like I said, I, I think the frame will, will come along and, uh, and that kind of will get better as, as it goes on too. But um, I, I like, I like Moody. I think he instantly a three and D guy, um, especially for a team like the magic. And uh, I, I like that he can grow there a lot. I think it's probably one of my favorite fits for Moody overall. Hayden. Yeah, no, I, I think, um, I think at the top of the draft, we get a little bit caught up in the idea of getting guys who can project out to be stars, but with Moses Moody, I, I see a guy who doesn't exactly have a doesn't have much of a low floor. Um, I, I feel pretty confident that he's at the very least going to be filling a role that is extremely valuable in the NBA, and that's just that long three and D wing. Um, and you know, you talk about that wingspan, Davis, and I think of a guy like Mikael Bridges, someone who can bother guys with his length, especially on the perimeter when you're in the playoffs and you're having to guard those big wings that are able to create off the dribble. I think Moses Mooney could be really valuable in a team defending concept there. Um, you know, I, I think it's kind of hard though too, right? Because we're talking about the magic and the context that they're in 
we're looking at five and they're going to pick a wing of some kind, right? And then you're looking at Moses Moody, another guy who's a wing, who's not necessarily going to change your life necessarily. Um, so then eventually he gets thrown into the fold with, uh, <laughs> with uh, Jonathan Isaac and then guys like Terrence Ross. And so then you kind of just have this glut of wings and you might just kind of be at the same place that you started. But, you know, if they move on from Terrence Ross and as I was saying, you shouldn't really be drafting for fit here. I almost, um, I actually do really like this fit simply because um, it, I think it's a good idea for um, teams that are in a true rebuilding mode to also look towards the future a little bit and take guys who they know can be in their foxhole in the playoffs, can be key rotation guys who just may not necessarily be their number one or their number two. That's another reason why I think a guy like Franz Wagner might be a, a good look here for the Magic at number eight, simply because you know he's going to play good team, good team defense. You know he provides you length uh, defensively. And offensively, if he is able to just get a more reliable jump shot on a little bit higher volume, he could be a really valuable uh, key role player for a really good playoff team. Yeah, and, and what I like, so you brought up Franz Wagner too, and he really fills this uh, in my mind as well, is that um, the Magic have a lot of open usage. Uh, uh, I'm trying to pull it up. I, I can't find it. I'm bad at quick statistical searches. Um, but like like guys like Chumo Keke and, and Dwayne Bacon and Michael Carter-Williams like played a lot on ball this last year, like a lot. Uh, Dwayne <laughs> Bacon, I think was, I, I, like I said, I can't pull it up, but after Vucevic and Fournier left, like I think he was second in usage behind Cole Anthony. Uh, Dwayne Bacon is a fine player. Uh, I wish him the best, but he should not be second in usage on your team, uh, especially because he's not particularly young. Um, if you could give that to, you know, you guys mentioned like Franz Wagner and, and Moses Moody, both like primarily played off ball, but I think both have some on ball upside. Give those guys some chances, uh, you know, let, Moses Moody try and create in in a pick and roll. If it goes horribly, fine. It's not like you're trying to win right now, anyways. But if it goes really well, you could start to unlock like like a really powerful score, like a really deadly mid range shooter. Uh, and it's the same with Wagner. Uh, probably less of a scorer, but like Wagner is a very very good passer. Um, and I I think that sort of gets overlooked when we talk about him because he gets talked about as purely this connector. And, and while I see that as like the most likely outcome, if he can like, if he's secretly like a good pick and roll player and he's six, nine and plays elite off ball defense, like that's, that's pretty valuable at eight. And he's not particularly old for a sophomore either. Um, So yeah, I, I, I like, I like both those picks there. Um, but you sort of mentioned like the glut of wings, Hayden, and, and someone who's not a wing that I brought up, who, who I think would be also really interesting for the magic here that uh, could, like I mentioned, soak up some of that usage is is uh, Jaden Springer. Um, so Davis, I'm going to let you sort of give the Jaden Springer breakdown. And then I want to hear uh, Hayden's thoughts on Springer because he's someone who like draft Twitter is very, very high on. And the mainstream is not particularly high on, but I actually do think he might be in play here at eight. So, so Davis, uh, let's hear about Jaden Springer. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm a little, a little lower on Springer. I think, like he's he's in my twenties. Um, I I didn't watch a crazy amount of Tennessee like during the season, uh, but I've started to to watch a little more defense for for um for him as well um the versatility as a guard you can definitely definitely go one through three most likely um he was he was a pretty decent shooter too uh, i think he shot over like 40 percent. i don't think it was a crazy a crazy volume um but he was also a really good free throw shooter too um so i i do buy the shot coming coming along uh getting better I, I do like it for the Magic. I wouldn't really like Springer on a lot of other teams in the lottery. Um, but it, it due to fit, I do I do feel like he fits well um, in Orlando. Just just the three and D once again three and D. This this time it's not a wing; it's a guard, which which they can use as well. Um, just Cole Anthony, Markel Fultz, 
definitely not the best defenders. Um, so, so he could desperately help probably right away. Um, and on, on that end, uh, but yeah, I, I, I like Springer here. Um, I, I think like I would, I would rather take Moody, even Wagner. Um, but if, if those two guys are off the board, I, I wouldn't mind Springer here. Yeah. Uh, Hayden, do you have any Jaden Springer thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, in theory, I like this fit. I think that Jaden Springer provides um, some much-needed, like, defensive toughness and the ability, like Davis said, to switch kind of one through three. Um, he shot really well in college, and I'm sure that will be able to scale towards the NBA. Um, and I think he's just so young. He's such a young guy who has so much time to grow. So I think this would be a really good context for him, especially – since guys like Cole Anthony and RJ Hampton could take some of that lead ball handler role off of him. So he can kind of just do his thing, use his feel for the game to kind of wreak havoc off ball and also just kind of really put in some great effort on defense. Uh, and I, you know, I know obviously we shouldn't just look at the mainstream for uh, figuring out where guys should be slotted in the draft. I just don't know if the magic are going to be willing to take a risk on a guy like him that, early when we have guys that we've been talking like about like Moses Moody, Franz Wagner, even like a James Booknight, who in general, most people seem to be higher on Booknight than Springer. So while I do like this fit, I, I don't know if eight is necessarily something that they'd be willing to do unless if they traded down from this pick. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, and that's probably a name I overlooked. So Hayden, I'm going to throw it right back to you because James Booknight is someone who has been linked quite a bit to the magic. Um, and quite a bit in this top area. Uh, I've seen him as high as um, six to the, uh, to the Thunder, I believe. I've seen him at seven to the Warriors and, of course, eight to the Magic. Um, so, Hayden, what are your thoughts on Book Knight? And, and do you think he, he really is this caliber of player to go this high? Um, I, I think it remains to be seen. But at, at the top of the draft, we're taking risks here, especially with a team like the Magic. And I think you know, the high end of those outcomes that you look at with uh, James Booknight is a guy who's just going to be able to get to the rim at will, who's going to have an improved jump shot, who's just going to be kind of this spark plug scorer for your entire offense. And if you kind of look at the the bones of this team, especially if you get a guy like Scotty Barnes, you're going to have switchable wings to be able to cover some weaknesses on defense. So then you kind of just let James Booknight do what he does best and score. So, you know, if it comes out, if it turns out that his athleticism uh, is able to carry him over the top and he's able to improve that jump shot, he could be a really, really potent scorer. And then in this context, I, I think he would be just fine. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Book Knight is not someone who, I, who I'm incredibly high on. I think um, his primary utility is going to be off ball, which is fine, but, but you have to hit a certain threshold as a shooter to be a truly deadly off ball player. And I think that's in the cards for book night, um, but it, it remains to be seen, but I, I, I do understand the upside at least a little bit. Um, generally we talk about trades uh, with, with teams this high, um, but I feel as though the magic have kind of made their traits uh, and Hayden, I will throw it to you just if there's anything you could think of, but I really did some thinking and, and I thought there was nothing. They already traded Aaron Gordon. They already traded Nicole, Nikola Vucevic. It's just sort of, I mean, Dwayne Bacon for a late second. Uh, you know, I, I, I doubt they'll trade Jonathan Isaac or Markel Fultz right now, but Hayden, if you, if you could think of anything, I would, I would love to hear it. I mean, the only thing I can really think of is if, I don't know if they if they know that their guy is going to be there a couple spots down and someone's just in love with uh, one, uh, another guy, then maybe they could trade a few spots down. But I, I don't know. I just don't think this is the right time to be trying to outsmart the system as a rebuilding team when you have two swings at the top 10 in a really deep draft. I think it's just better to make the picks and, and take the guys that you feel most comfortable with personally. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I just, and a draft like this, it's so, like, I feel like it's very flat. It just, like, all around, it's just, I understand some teams might want to trade up to get their guy, and you could trade mm -hmm. back and sort of get, but you already have so many bets on this roster. Like, I don't know what sort of, like, talent accumulation there is left. I mean, yeah, like, 
it's just they're sort of at a weird spot um and, and yeah. i'm with you i would just take these picks uh you know hope for some better lottery luck next year um davis is there anyone else you want to talk about here at eight or or hayden is there anyone else you want to talk about here at eight um that sort of makes some sense no i think we covered it for me at least i think so. uh i'm gonna ask yeah. you again hayden and, and and davis you can answer this as well all the guys you talked about say they're on the board say Six is is Scotty Barnes and seven is Davion Mitchell. So all the guys you talked about on the board, Hayden, you first. Who 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 are you selecting here? Uh, I, I'm taking Josh Giddy. I think the upside is too great, and I think his uh, the way that he can fit in today's NBA is just it's too tantalizing. Even though you know the risks, he's young. He's going to get his lumps, and I think he's only going to get better from here. I think that's fair, uh, Davis. Um, I, I'd go Moses Moody, uh, just the, the instant three and D and possibly more. Um, and, and like Hayden was saying earlier, magic have nothing but time, um, to, to experiment. So I like, I like, I like, uh, I like Moody I think, there a lot. I think that's fair. I think both those guys are interesting selections for me. Uh, I'm with Hayden. I would go Josh Giddy. I just think, um, there's no better situation to just see if you could potentially have an elite jumbo creator on your team. And if you don't, then you can always try and scale him down later. And if it doesn't work, then, I mean, I don't know. I, I hate when people kick themselves for bus or, or when people like kill teams for, for picking someone who I hate the term bust in general, but when people like kill teams for, for selecting someone who doesn't work out, like there's good philosophy behind picks that don't turn out. And I, you know, if that's giddy, that's giddy. Uh, I, I think if you take him with the opportunity to to take a jumbo initiator who can who can have like a like a 24 plus usage, I mean that's that's a solid selection. And then if you can't do that and you try and scale them down and that doesn't work, then and that just sort of is what it is. Um, but before we get out of here, Davis, are there any names you like here at 33? Uh, Hayden, if you have any too, I I know you're not as deep into the draft as 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 davis and i uh, i don't know anyone who's as deep into the draft as me i have like 270 players ranked uh because i'm nuts um but davis is there anyone you like here at 33 yeah so i mean the, the first name that that comes to my mind is, is a guy like josh primo um once again very young the young i think the youngest dude in the draft um already a, a pretty good shooter has good length good size um just gonna need some time to develop and and magic have nothing but that so i i really like primo there um if if they don't already you know go like a guard wing heavy in in the first round yeah i uh i i like that and, and what i was going to bring up is that i think they're like 33 is prime position to just take the best of who falls you know, whether that be, you know, I, I don't think JT Thor falls, but maybe like like if Kessler Edwards falls or Josh Christopher falls or, you know, one of the group of guards of like Bones Highland, Jared Butler, Deuce McBride, if one of them falls, uh, they're just sort of at a point where they can just sort of sit on their heels and then whatever the best player who, who you give a first round grade to that, that falls into your lap at 33, just take them because you know, they don't have to take for fit uh, at all. Um, I do want to say that uh, it's something that'll be coming out after we finish all these other pods. Uh, the great friends, Blyenberg, uh, it was, was the selection at 33. And uh, I would cry tears of joy because deep down in my heart, I'm, I'm kind of a magic fan because I love the city of Orlando. And uh, if they select my guy, I would, uh, I would just go full bore. I'd get a Jersey and everything. Um, but this, <laughs> This has been awesome. Uh, Hayden, is there anyone you wanted to bring up at 33? And, and if not, I just I just want to say thank you so much for coming on, taking the time out, uh, and, and just tell the people where they can find all your great work because, like I, I said, the podcast or uh, with your podcast, I can't remember if that was at the beginning of this or if that was before we started. It all blends together at this point. I've recorded 45 of these in the past 30 days. so uh, But just tell the people where they can find it because it's seriously one of the better podcasts out there um, and, and all your great work. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, before I get into the, all of that, uh, you know, I, I'm not deep in the weeds and the guys in the second round, but I'm going to throw two names out. I'm from Houston. So I love a guy like Quentin Grimes. I think in the second round, my philosophy is 
don't be afraid to draft guys who are a little bit older, who are a little more experienced, who know how to play a role and who are just going to play hard basketball. And I think that's Quentin Grimes all over. And then another guy, listen, if you're a rebuilding team, there's something to be said for getting guys who are simply competent at being a great role player. And I think that's what Jeremiah Robinson Earl is going to bring to the table as a second round pick. So those two guys are two guys that I'm looking out for them at 33. Um, And if you want to find my work, you can find me on Twitter at Hayden M. Gray. Um, I host two podcasts, one with my buddy, Travis, shout out Travis. It's called dropping dimes. uh, And we cover weekly basketball news. We play games. We have a lot of fun. And then I have another one that I host by myself where I have other uh, sports media professionals on as guests and it's called courtside chats. And the real goal of that is to just kind of talk about the bigger questions of the NBA and to kind of tell the human stories behind basketball. So yeah, follow me on Twitter, check out my podcast and guys, Hey, listen, thanks so much for having me on. Like I said, I can't believe you guys are going to make it through all 30 teams by the draft, but uh, props to you guys for working so hard and keep it up. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, Hayden is seriously worth the follow. And, and he has filled in for Stone admirably, even by bringing up Jeremiah yeah. Earl, who is Stone's guy. Uh, if you've listened to these exactly. pods, you have heard him say ad nauseum that uh, Stone ha- or that Jeremiah Robson Earl is a first round talent. Uh, so you have you have filled in for him uh, like like no one's yep. business. I also want to say I, I, I like Quentin Grimes <laughs> and I actually also like his Houston teammate. Uh, Dejan Giroux, uh, Diki mm-hmm. is not, not at 30 Giroux, yeah. probably, but, um, I'm, I'm a sucker for Houston because I go to WSU and, uh, Kelvinston is a WSU, oh, uh, yeah. former WSU head coach, uh, Houston's head coach. And, uh, I always root for former Cougs to succeed. So, uh, but yeah, seriously, everyone go follow Hayden at Hayden M. Gray, uh, courtside chats is one of my favorite podcasts out there. It, um, like you said, like it consistently does tell the human story, uh, his past two have been really just really uh, emotional listens that, that were, that were really, uh, really important. I would say not to, not to gas him up too much on the pod, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I seriously love his work. Uh, love all the stuff he does on Twitter. Go follow him. Uh, Davis is uh, at sports by Davis. Um, you can follow us as well on the upside swings uh, Twitter page. Uh, feel free to leave any questions or anything there. Uh, leave us a, a rating, a like review, whatever it may be on your, your podcasting app of choice. Uh, it really helps us grow. Um, as does having great guests on like Hayden. I feel like we've grown a lot during this series. So uh, it's been a really special experience. Uh, thanks again to Hayden. Thanks to everyone for listening. This has been the Upside Swings Draft Podcast. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you. Oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man.